This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome to what we will call the Red Sox versus Rays preview episode. We're going to be breaking down the first three games of the series. Those are the pitching matchups we have We're also going to give our official predictions on the overall result of the series. Can the Red Sox kind of continue the cruise they've been on, or will the Rays be the number one seed that they are and end the season for the Red Sox? We will get into all of that. Back with me tonight, Jason Kelly, Charlie Smith. How are you guys? Doing well. I think I'm doing Jason's really gonna, well. Yeah, I think Jason and I are both pretty excited. The fact that we uh, we got an extra day of uh, chatting. Yeah, yeah, can't go wrong with that. I mean, yeah. I, I wasn't expecting us to be here talking about a exactly. uh, ALDS. So I'll take it. Absolutely, it, I'm with you. It feels like we're in the playoffs. Like we don't have these stressful scenarios anymore. We're in. It, it might not go well. It might go really well. We'll we'll get into that. But but we're in the playoffs. So. Uh, before I kind of take you guys' temperature on this uh, series, I just want to let everybody know that we are going to do a post-game podcast after every single playoff game. So that'll be throughout this series. If things work out really well, we'll be doing post-game in the ALCS. So those shows are going to be shorter, though, 20 to 30 minutes. We're going to try to keep this one in fact, around 30 minutes. Sometimes we fail epically and we'll put up a 47 spot. Uh, so, but we will try to keep them uh, at a, you know, at a 30 minute clip where we're going to be doing so many in the coming days. So we'll be with you on your AM commutes in your office, wherever you listen, we'll be keeping you plenty of company. So let's just take our quick temperature on it we're not going to give our predictions right now but how how nervous are you jason i am still pretty nervous uh despite all the excitement from the other night despite uh curb stomping the yankees and putting that franchise back into the toilet where they belong and having uh yankee fans just question everything about their existence (laughs) um I'm I'm still pretty nervous because look the Rays are a complete team. They've got pitching, they've got bullpen, and they've got offense. And um, they've kind of had our number all year. I, you know, I don't love having to go to Tampa to start it. Granted, you know, not that Tropicana Field is like this, you know, crazy scary place to play, but I feel like the Red Sox always perform pretty badly there. Uh, we've had some bad memories there. So I'm still not 100% confident. I will say that after the win against the Yankees, I that confidence went up a, a, a tinge, a tinge, because I did see a little bit of life out of this team, more life than I've seen for the last three weeks. But uh, do I still feel like the Red Sox are going to win this series? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm really, like, I'm so on the fence on this one. It's a little bit of a cop-out, but, like, I just don't know. I, this could this could go either way at this point. I really don't know. Charlie, what's your level of nervousness, anxiety, what have you? Oh, I've I've always been nervous against Tampa Bay. <laughs> I I find it to be uh, incredibly frustrating when you face a team that's like, you know what, we got four starters, but new year, new me, and it's a whole new list of starters that no one knows either who they are or how to spell their name. And they seem to dominate with little to no knowledge on the opposing team, little to no knowledge on just about anything. They 
just continue to breed starting pitchers like it's nobody's business. And I posted a tweet uh, earlier today that Giancarlo Stanton and Garrett Cole combined to make, I think it was $58 million this year. And next year, they'll combine to make $68 million, more than the entire Tampa Bay Rays roster. Let that sink in for a moment. The New York Yankees are paying two guys more money than the Tampa Bay Rays are paying their entire team. That isn't scary. It's not intimidating. It's downright stupid. They've they've created and generated an unreal plan. Tampa Bay is Atlantis. I don't think that a lot of people even know how to get there, which is why like a sold-out crowd is like 4,000 people. But I actually really want to go to Tampa Bay. I want to see a game there because that has got to be a boatload of fun. Just just once. I I, I want to do it. Pay $40 for a first base seat. Why not? Um, I'm just going to be completely transparent there. I'm still very scared about Tampa Bay. And it was real cute that we beat New York. But it's Tampa Bay. J- Jason, yeah, go went ahead, Jason. To, he went to school in Tampa. so Yeah, so I, I can tell you from living in Tampa for five years, uh, first of all, $40, you're overpaying. Um, that's way too much money. <laughs> it, it should cost you more than – it shouldn't cost you any more than 10 or $15 to get a ticket into the toilet of St. Petersburg because you're not in Tampa, you understand. You're in St. Petersburg. Oh, you're in the retirement community of uh, Central Florida. I've never been. So – um, no the idea. stadium's gross. Okay. Uh, the 3,000 fans at most that you'll be surrounded by are gross. They're old people who don't watch baseball, um, <laughs> except for the one drunk guy who's banging the cowbell in the 300 section because he paid like $3 to get the tickets and he was drunk before he got there. Um, it's not a good place to watch baseball. It's a terrible stadium. It's a terrible fan base. They don't watch baseball down there. Florida is a college football state. It always will be. Rays fans don't really exist because they only start watching baseball when the Rays are in the playoffs. They couldn't name more than five guys on the team. Um, They probably still think that Evan Longoria plays there. So um, it's it's a trash fan base. It's a trash stadium. It's a trash city. Um, So, no, you – you don't want to go and watch a stadium in the truck. You really, really don't, Charlie. Uh, save the $40, and again, it wouldn't cost you that, but save the $40 for the Uber ride into Fenway because, you know, that might cover co- part of it. Um, or no, save the $40 for the beers that you'll buy at Fenway because that should cover, what, two or three of them? Um, <laughs> yeah. Save it yeah. for that because three. that's a much better experience. Yeah. T- Terry, Terry and I did not drink when we were there. We had, uh, we had dogs, and I think we got – I don't know. Did we get fries or something? I don't even remember. We didn't. I drink. got fries. Yeah, I, I got a coke. I had a, a hard cider before we went in. So oh, that's right. Yeah. Real cool. quick before we transition, I'm pretty nervous myself. The Rays in the last series of the year played the Yankees, beat them pretty handily, two out of three, and only lost the final game of that series, which was also the final game of the year, in the bottom of the ninth. It was scoreless. The Yankees scored one run. So they're they're primed, and I'm a little nervous. And when you look at all the Red Sox postseasons and how they got in, we've never limped into a postseason and then took off and won a championship. We've never never done that. And when you look at the times we've limped in, I mean, Cleveland, we – in 2016 maybe we didn't limp into that but we didn't go roaring into it and then we got swept we did kind of limp into the 2017 playoffs and got beat four to one uh three to one by the houston astros so that didn't go well and then 29 2009 we got swept by the angels so those are recent examples of where we weren't really where we needed to be as far as momentum and all the championship seasons, we look good going in. 04 looked very good. 2013, we uh, we went in and led the division all year, basically. 2018, we set a franchise record and wins. This is not one of those years. So I'm pretty nervous. I am pretty nervous. 
getting it out of the way. Autumn is in the air, the pumpkins are in the patch, and our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you don't carve your pants pumpkins when you're grooming, if you know what I'm saying. Make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. Boys, get ready for a cupping season like no other. Ready to take the leap into fall with Manscaped? Join the 2 million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Get comfy on the home and on the go this season. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Make your balls a priority this fall. Choose Manscaped. Your balls well, thank you. Very good, Charlie. I, I don't know how I would feel about my balls talking to me in general. So, Your pumpkins, you mean? My pumpkins, yes. <laughs> I've never heard them referred to as that. I've heard of grapefruits, family jewels, you know, that stuff. But let's stop talking about testicles and uh, get into the series. Um, all right, so game one, we've got Eduardo Rodriguez versus Shane McClanahan. Very tough matchup. Shane McClanahan is going to be a bona fide ace for several years to come. And Evaldi might be a number three for another team next year, not named the Red Sox. Or he might be back, I don't know. But he's our game one starter. I'm just going to go over the pitching lines real quick. Uh, Erod made four starts against the Rays this year. Didn't get the first one till June 22nd. He pitched six innings, gave up seven hits, three earned runs, one walk, seven strikeouts. That was, again, on June 22nd. Not a bad start there. And that was during the period where he wasn't pitching well at all, by the way, and still had a pretty good start there. August 10th was his second start against them. Five and one-third, gave up just four hits, two earned runs, walked one, struck out eight. Again, that's August 10th. That was another pretty good start. September 2nd, he pitched six full innings, gave up four hits, zero earned runs, one walk, six strikeouts. So that was clearly his best start of the year, which, again, took place on September 2nd. Then finally, he made his fourth and final start of the year. Definitely his worst one. He only lasted three and two-thirds innings, gave up eight hits, six earned runs, walked nobody despite all the earned runs, only struck out three. Due to that one bad start, he had a 4.71 ERA against them. So hopefully we're going to get one of those better starts. But Charlie, go ahead. Take us through Shane McClanahan's uh, pitching lines. He made three starts against us. That's correct. He had three pitching starts against us. Uh, only one was in Boston. Um his most recent one was September 8th, allowed three hits in five innings, no runs, a walk, three strikeouts, and could have gone well past five innings, but they're just keeping his pitch numbers low. Um, a week right before that, he had done five innings again, allowed four runs on eight hits, actually got the loss. They actually didn't get any run support for him. Struck out eight, walked two, still no home runs allowed, and had thrown 20 more pitches, but again, double the strikeouts that's going to kind of do it uh, a little bit of justice there and then he had one august 1st his debut against the red sox where he actually got the win they won three to two he allowed a run on four hits the only run that he allowed was on a home run uh two walks seven strikeouts 88 pitches again and then when we look at the splits against boston so far three games he's allowed five runs in 16 innings with 18 strikeouts He's 1-1 one one with a 2.81 ERA. At Fenway, because he only had the one start, he had the zero ERA because he's only had that one start. He allowed three hits, five innings. Oh, it's it's That's tough. That's tough. 
This is one of those no-namers that if you had started the season off and someone said Shane McClanahan, you would have said, who? McClanahan, what? And now we're facing him game one. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's a tough matchup. It's a, it's a really tough matchup. What, what do we have to do to win this game? So go ahead, Jason. What, what do you think has to happen for us to beat a guy who's clearly going to be very tough, probably not going to give up hardly any runs? Yeah, I think this is a game where the offense really has to show up because the one thing I worry about is the amount of times they've seen Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, they've seen him quite a lot now. This lineup is very familiar with him. We've only seen Shane McClanahan less than a handful of times. Um, and I feel like Tampa has kind of been holding him back, conserving him a little bit. So he may even deliver some stuff that we're not used to. Um, the one benefit for the Red Sox is that two of Tampa's better hitters are not great against left-handers. And that's Austin Meadows and Brandon Lau. Their their splits are not good against lefties. They hit under 200 against left-handers in general. Um, but they still got Nelson Cruz. They still got Nan- Yandy Diaz. Um, they still have guys that can hit left-handers. So that's what makes this lineup so difficult is that even if you take out their, you know, arguably two of their best young hitters, they still got guys who can burn you. Um, I think what the Red Sox have to do for this game is the offense has to show up. They've got to jump on McClanahan early and score runs kind of like they did in the Yankees game in that wildcard game, just jump on him and just get out ahead of it, get an early lead, keep piling on and force Tampa to go to their bullpen early. Their bullpen is really good, probably better than New York's. So it's not going to be, you know, a total victory if you get to their bullpen early, but it's a start, you know, especially when you're talking about, you know, a long series like this. So the offense has to show up. They, they've got to be ready to go, you know, right from the gate. If McClanahan is shutting these guys down and he's pitching really well and Eduardo struggles and by the fourth, fifth inning, his pitch count is high and the Rays have a lead, not looking good for you. So the offense is going to be a key in this game for sure. For us, it's going to be a matter of doing damage quickly Uh, but also being patient. Your objective for this game is to get McClanahan out before he has a chance to do any work against the second time uh, facing the same lineup. You're seeing him throwing between 60 and 90 pitches. You need to have four or five pitch at-bats. You need him to minimum four or five pitches. If if you get an out on the first or second pitch, you've blown it. You've really increased the level of pressure that the rest of the lineup is going to have I also think that Tampa Bay is going to have uh, more than one guy in their lineup where you're really going to have to give it the, the almost the Giancarlo, Stan, uh, Giancarlo Stanton or Juan Soto treatment. Do we really want to pitch this guy with one or two guys on? Randy Rosarena showed last year that he's not someone to be trifled with in the playoffs. Last year he had, I think, uh, seven home runs during the regular season. He had 10 home runs in the playoffs. 10. It was insane. He had like 370. It was it was ridiculous. I think some people thought he was going to hit 40 or 50 home runs this year for good reason. He only played 20 games in the playoffs, had 10 home runs. That's insane. He's not someone you want facing, uh, regardless of who it is. Chris Sale's not going to want to pitch that guy. And I say that because I think Chris Sale's great. Chris Sale's coming back. Uh, we briefly discussed Brandon Lau. 39 home runs before this season at 37. Their offense, our pitching is going to have to be elite, and we're going to have to take their starter out of the first one. We don't do that. You're going to know who the winner of this game is by the fourth inning. So, Jason makes a good point. If Tampa gets an early lead, they're not giving it back. We're we're just, in the first half, we had all those comebacks. We had like, 30-something comebacks before the All-Star break, and it was epic. And in that first half, um, the first half was an anomaly. It's what got us here, but that's, yeah. So 
we're going to have to score first or, or keep it close within a run or two max. I like the fact that Erod has been a big game pitcher. And he's come up big in some recent September starts. So, so this will hopefully be one of those, just another big Erod start. And to, to start this series 1-0, that's huge. That's massive. That's My other concern is this. Tampa Bay is really good at stringing together hits, being feisty, just getting on base. They're a scrappy team, and they beat up on a lot of teams that way. The Red Sox need that mindset, and I'm not convinced that that's how they're going to be approaching this game. They've been an all-or-nothing team on and off, especially in the second half, and that just doesn't work, work out. You can't be all about the long ball because if you do that, you're scoring two runs total. You might hit a couple of solos, and then you're losing the game. So hopefully, offensively, the mindset will be to just be aggressive, get on base, string together some hits. And it's a tall order. It's a tall order. So that's where I'm at there. Game two, Chris Sale versus Shane Baz. Not much to go on with Sale. He only made two starts against them. First one was on September 1st. That was pretty good. Six innings, gave up six hits, two earned runs, walked two, only struck out three. Strikeouts have been a problem for Chris Sale as of late. There was a recent game where he got one strikeout. I forget which team that was, but it was in mid-September. And the the punch-outs. Baltimore. Baltimore, okay. Yeah, remember? That's, that's even more We, we talked about Baltimore, and I said, <laughs> eh, he still only allowed one hit. And he had the, I think that was the, the FU fastball game. Sorry to interrupt. Is that how he got his one strikeout? Uh, right. No, but I wasn't that the, the game that he had the FU fastball, or was that like a different game when he gave up like a solo home run? I forget. I, forget. I remember there was an FU fastball at some point yeah, recently. Yeah, I'll, I'll be quiet. I'll let you carry on. It's all good. So the, the first start was pretty good on September 1st, despite only uh, having three punch-outs. His second start, however, was on September 6th. There was a team kind of sandwiched, you know, around them or whatever, so we had two quick t- Tampa series at, in early September. But on September 6th, Sale gave up 10 hits, one earned run, but five runs were given up. I remember nothing about that game. So he probably had some bad defense or something. By the time he came out of the game, there were five runs on the board. He was only charged for one of them, walked one struck out six only lasted three and two thirds innings so one start was really good the second one not so great they had just seen him the week before so that probably was part of it but i'm a little nervous here and he's going up against shane bass before charlie well actually there's not nothing to really get into as far as pitching lines with baz because he's only made three starts and they were all within the last week and a half and i went to look up him and i I think every single one of us is uncomfortable when it's a guy we've never seen before because those are the games we get shut down case in point the final game of the season game 162 i don't even remember the starting pitcher's name but he was Washington starter. It was his pro debut. He basically shut us down. I think he, we we only scored one or two runs. That was the game we were down, what, 5-1 to one and had an epic comeback. And, yeah, Charlie? Yoan Adon, that one. The oh, guy yeah. where I said is Yoan Adon we were talking about. Okay. I said nine strikeouts in his debut against the Red Sox, and yeah. none of them were against the pitcher. That's dumb. And he had a 4.97 ERA this season in the minors and he shuts us down. Now here's the bad news. Shane Baz did not have a bad season at all in the minors. He had 17 starts in a 2.03 ERA. Disgusting. 
absolutely disgusting. And I was looking them up before I even researched any of those stats. I pulled up their MLB top 30 list to see who their top 30 prospects were, expecting him to be like the 11th or 12th ranked guy who is still pretty good because I'm sure their 28th ranked guy is pretty good. They got a good farm. Well, he's their number one overall prospect, Shane Bass. So that's who's pitching against Chris Sale. They acquired him. He was the player to be named later in the... Tyler Glass now, Austin Meadows deal for Chris Archer. And then a couple of weeks after that trade, Baz gets sent to Tampa Bay as the player to be named later. So I'm not comfortable with this at all. I'm going to have a smoking hot take here at the end of it. But Jason, go ahead. Your thoughts on that matchup. Yeah, I'm not feeling all that comfortable about it either because you look at who Baz's three last starts were against. It was Toronto, Miami, and the Yankees. Now, Miami, you can write off. Miami stinks. They kind of mailed it in towards the end of the year. He pitched really well against them. But he held Toronto to two runs. Toronto's got a firepower offense, maybe a better offense than the Red Sox if we're really getting down to it here, even though they missed the playoffs. But... They've got a massive firepower offense, and he held them the two runs. His last start against the Yankees, he didn't go that long. He only pitched, I think, two and two-thirds, held them to one run. But he pitched well against, again, another good team that was a playoff, you know, sort of fringe team. Um, Bass has been really good. And Chris Sale has been pretty good since he's been back, but he hasn't been the Chris Sale of old. And this has been... My biggest problem with him is that it's it's not like people say, oh, well, Chris Sale's on the mound. That should be an automatic win. No, you can't say that now. He's not the same guy that he was. Either he's not 100% back or this is just the new Chris Sale where he's not going to blow guys away. He's not going to strike out 13 batters a game and go seven innings. I, d- I don't know if he has that in him now. This is a playoff game. I wonder if Cora lets him go beyond five innings, beyond six innings even. Um, I somehow doubt that, given how he handled Ivaldi with kid gloves in a win-or-go-home game. So you're probably looking at Chris Sale pitching five, maybe six innings if he's efficient. And then the bullpen comes in. So, And Tampa is going to – they're going to dress their lineup – to suit that. So probably Austin Meadows will be on the bench for this game. I don't think they'll start him against Chris Sale, but as soon as you bring in Ryan Brazier, here comes Austin Meadows off the bench. And Austin Meadows is a right-handed killer. He will he will blast off against right-handed pitching. And I still don't trust his Red Sox bullpen. I'm sorry. Like I don't trust Brazier. I don't t- trust Hansel Mariano Rivera Robles, as everyone around here likes to call him. I love how, like, all of a sudden, because Hansel Robles had one good month, he's the best reliever that the Red Sox could have gotten at the deadline. Uh, Newsflash, he's not. They still screwed up. They'll probably still screw you. But nevertheless, um, good luck with that if he has to come in against a bunch of uh, left-handed hitters. So I just don't feel good about it. I don't know how long Baz will go. It depends on how efficient he is as well against the Red Sox lineup. So, again, this is a game much like game one. The Red Sox offense has to get off to an early start. Get this kid out of there soon. Get him get him rattled. Get to him early and force Kevin Cash and force Tampa to make a move early because if you let Tampa dictate the pace of this game, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. That's it. Kevin Cash knows how to do that. He knows this Red Sox lineup. He has the bullpen to deal with it, and he has the bench to deal with your bullpen. So get to him early because otherwise I, I don't feel great about it. So I'm going to say this much. When I think of the reaction that people have with Shane Baz, I remember 2013 – when the Red Sox were facing Michael Waka and he had a really good season and then come playoff time, I think he was facing John Lackey 
in 2013. I think that was who faced him. I can't remember 100%. But Michael Walker was this young kid, nobody, who coincidentally, I believe now plays for Tampa Bay. But uh, there was an aura about this young kid who's pitching right behind, you know, the the Chris Carpenter and um, uh, Wainwright uh, starters in that rotation eight years ago. And this is like, if I have to put it into words, I would call it like the Michael Walk effect, the kind of aura, but to another degree. And the reason why I say that is because in his game against Toronto, it was five innings, if I'm not mistaken. He allowed two runs, and both of those runs came around on solo shots. He has given up three runs this entire season. Two were against Toronto. One was against New York. He's allowed three home runs, three runs. He's allowed three hits outside of those home runs in 13 and a third innings. 18 strikeouts, three walks. I love Chris Sale. But I'm a little bit nervous. Because I thought that we were going to get six innings out of Evaldi, thinking, okay, well, I mean, we might get five plus. I think if we get five innings out of Chris Sale, that's going to be a blessing. That's going to be beautiful. Like Jason, I'm also a little nervous about the bullpen. I don't trust them. I think there's a little bit of, of reason for that. I don't think we're going to be able to get like a, a Sawamura lucky clutch double play with the bases jammed. It's it's going to be really tough. It's going to be really, really hard. And again, everybody knows how I feel about Chris Sale. But before the season started, after the first series of the season even, we're 0-3. No one thought this team was going to go anywhere. The fact that we won the wildcard game is huge. It's huge. We're here. We're actually in the dance. This is supposed to be fun. If we get knocked out 0-3 to Tampa Bay, will I be shocked? No. Will I be disappointed? Yeah, because it would have been really nice to get one on Tampa Bay. But, I mean, Tampa Bay is doing really, really well. There's a reason why they finished with 100 wins. They just get it. Before I give my hot take... Chris Sale didn't look good in his last outing. He pitched game 162 of the season, and he got pulled, I think, what, two and one-third, something like that. It was during the third inning. He got pulled out of the game, and it wasn't a good one. He was scuffling, much like we saw with Garrett Cole in, in the last several starts with the Yankees. But Sale was scuffling, and... He got removed from a game in the third inning, and you just don't see that with Chris Sale. And as he was walking back to the dugout, he wasn't even mad. like he Or he wasn't visibly showing that, like, oh, man, I can't believe he pulled me out. He just kind of calmly walked into the dugout, and that was it. And you have Nathan Avoldi pitching the wild card game against the Yankees, a team that shelled Avoldi a week and a half before the wildcard game. But I wasn't worried about it. Charlie, I knew you weren't worried about Evaldi. Jason, I, I don't think you were particularly worried about it because Evaldi has been good all year long and he can come up with solutions. Nathan Evaldi can go into another game with a different game plan. Chris Sale doesn't have that. He's been searching for it all season. He doesn't have the answers. He doesn't have the solutions. And if it were me and I were the manager, which obviously wouldn't happen. I'd be the most fine manager for all the F-bombs I drop. But um, if I were the manager, I wouldn't start Chris Sale in this series. Chris Sale would be pitching out of the bullpen in this series if I were the manager. And I would go with Nick Pavetta in game two. I'm not going to get crazy about his pitching lines. He did make four starts against the Rays this year. And his first two starts against the Rays, which was 11 and two-thirds of an inning combined, he didn't give up a single earned run. Scoreless against the Rays in his first two starts. Now, he did give up three earned runs in his third start, and then his fourth start 
uh, was his worst. He gave up four earned runs. But Pavetta's been pitching very well as of late. And he had a big start against the Yankees that series we got swept a couple weekends ago. And unfortunately, the bullpen let him down. But he rose to the occasion, and he made a very good start that game. I know it's not ideal to have Nick Pavetta starting, but I would seriously pitch him over Chris Sale. I think Tampa, out of all the teams in the playoffs, is probably the worst matchup for Sale. Now, if we're playing the White Sox in the in the series after, okay, I might I might start Sale in that one. That's an explosive lineup, but it's not one that's that's seen him really. So, um, so I would. Uh, that's what I would do. I wouldn't even start Chris Sale. And I'm just going to say this is my least favorite matchup of all of them, of the three that we're going to cover. So I just, at this point, he's almost certainly going to start, according to Cora today. He's not listed on you know, ESPN or the MLB website yet. But all we can hope for here is that we're pleasantly surprised by the end of it. He keeps it close. And maybe we can score a couple runs late. But here's the other bad news. Tampa Bay has the lowest ERA in the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings. They've given up the fewest runs in the majors in the last three innings of the game. So it's it's going to be so hard to have that those late-inning heroics against this team, which, again, makes me pretty nervous. So, so there we have it. Game three of the series. This is the final breakdown we'll do tonight because games four and five can be touch and go. Multiple starters can be used uh, in those games. So theoretically, Erod could be the starter in game four. But again, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So Nathan Avoldi against Tampa Bay. He, he's had a pretty good year against them. Actually, a very good year. April 7th, he went seven innings, gave up three hits, one earned run, walked one, struck out seven. Very good start against them. July 31st was his second start, so a little bit of a, a gap there. He went five and one-third, gave up six hits, five earned runs, walked one, struck out six. That was his worst start of the year. Of the four that he made, his second appearance against them, not good. That was July 31st. August 11th, he made his third start, rebounded very well. That was only, what, 12 days later. He pitched seven innings, gave up three hits, one earned run, walked one, struck out 10. 10 strikeouts ties his most for the season. I meant to write down the other team. He's recorded 10 against, but... Not a big deal. So that was uh, definitely his, uh, probably one of his better starts actually against them. And then finally, his last start of the season was on September 8th against the Rays. Again, seven innings pitched, three hits, didn't give up a single earned run, walked two, struck out eight. So in three out of his four starts, went seven innings. And pitched very well. He did have that blip in his second start, but he had a 2.41 ERA against the Rays in 2021. So that's not a bad matchup for us, but uh, he will be facing Drew Rasmussen. Charlie, what do you have on him? So, uh, real quick touch up uh, Chicago was the other team that he had it, it was the White Sox. I was looking that up. Um, cause I also, I couldn't, I thought that was his only 10 spot. Um, this was, uh, one of the tough situations because Rasmussen was consistent. Like we should just call him one run Rasmussen because that's all he (laughs) allows in a game is one run. Um, I'm going to go backwards, uh, from September 7th, one run on six hits, five innings, pair of strikeouts, just 71 pitches. Uh, six days before that, one run on three hits, four innings, five strikeouts, 74 pitches. So just over 70, and they cap him. On August 12th, one run on one hit, two walks, four Ks, and in four innings, 50 pitches. Now, the other two starts, um, excuse me, the other two appearances that he made against Boston, one run on two hits, an inning and two-thirds, two strikeouts, 34 pitches, and then before that, uh, one inning, 
one hit, two strikeouts, a walk, 21 pitches. This is someone who was strictly a reliever, and he was with Milwaukee before he came over to Tampa Bay. They have slowly, slowly begun the process of stretching him out. He has not pitched more than five innings in a game ever. Not Drew Rasmussen. But what he is is incredibly consistent. You know you're going to see about 70 pitches. You might see 75. You're going to hope to get five innings out of him if you're Tampa Bay. But this is someone who they were able to make a reliever, a non-existent starter into someone who allows one run, pitches five innings, and just goes lights out. The last three starts he had, September 14th, 21st, and 29th, he's 2-0. He allowed two runs in 15 innings, seven total hits, eight strikeouts, and one of those two run, one of those uh, big uh, hits that he allowed was a home run. Who did he face? Toronto. Toronto. And he one-hit Houston. Five innings, 54 pitches. Now, I walked in saying, it's nasty, Nate. You know, this is it. We're going to win this game if we had to say a win. Rasmussen has shown colors. Scary colors. Tampa Bay is just the complete team. And if this was a team that spent $100 million on a team, oh my God. Oh my God. This is going to be an insane series. And anyone who faces Tampa Bay, that is your World Series. Because if you can take on Tampa Bay and win, congratulations. You've won two World Series in one year. That's how, that's how strongly I feel about Tampa Bay. Yeah, for me, this is the game that I look at and I say, this is why you need to at least split the two games in Tampa Bay. Um, if you win two out of, if you win those two, even better, right? If you go back to Fenway on Sunday with a 2-0 lead with Evaldi taking the ball, perfect. If you can at least split these next two games on Thursday and Friday, and you go back to Fenway 1-1, you give the ball to Nathan Evaldi at Fenway, I feel really good about that because. What Nathan Avaldi is doing right now is disgusting. Uh, he, he's he's tapped into a whole nother level. He's tapped into probably his highest potential that he'll ever reach in his career, which is good. You want that to happen when he's in a Red Sox uniform. So we'll take it. Um, but I feel pretty good about that matchup on Sunday because after what I saw from him in that wild card game. I don't know how you can really doubt Nathan Avaldi at this point. Um, he had one blip on the radar, one in September. Other than that, he's been your best pitcher all year long. Everyone talks about Chris Sale, and I still don't know why. It's like people just recognize the name Chris Sale, and they don't they don't pay attention to what Nathan Avaldi has done over the course of the whole season. Um, and it's amazing that he hasn't really been hurt. It's amazing that I don't think that he looks tired yet. I hope he's not tired yet. Um, it's amazing that he's still delivering clutch playoff-type performances in late September, October. Ride that wave as long as you can. So that's that game on Sunday, you better hope that the Red Sox are going in with at least one win in their pocket. Hopefully two, but at least one, because I, I feel pretty good about Nathan Avaldi taking the ball at Fenway Park against, you know, and, and I know Rasmussen has been good. I know that he's a guy that Tampa's been working on lately, and he's been better than we expected, but that's a game where I go, you know what, Nathan Navaldi should have your back there. You you should win that one. So at least go into Sunday with one, in, one win in your back pocket. That's a good point because you win one of the two in Tampa, like you said, and then you win the Evaldi game like we hopefully should. You got two games to figure out how to get that last win. You got two chances at it. So that's extremely big there. So at this point, let's just do it. Verdict time. Jason, what's your prediction? I predict, uh, boy, this is tough. Okay, I, I predict that they're going to finish on Monday morning with a 2-1 to series lead. Um, 
And that's that's really optimistic of me. That's scarily optimistic of me. But um, and by the way, congratulations to the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers who just who just won their wild card game against the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, as much as that kills me, yeah, and I don't want to see Mookie Betts go forward at all. But they just walked it off um, as we were recording. But yeah, I I predict the Red Sox will have a two to one series lead on Monday morning. And we'll go from there. But it's but who's gonna win though? So that's the thing. I'm still not sure they win this series. Like it's so crazy that to say that. Like I could see them taking a two one lead, but after that, like you've used up Ivaldi, you've used up Chris Sale. Now you're looking at guys like Pavetta, you're looking at, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez again, like I don't know. Tampa's so good that I just feel like I still have Tampa in the series. I think the Red Sox will make it competitive. I could absolutely see them going up 2-1, but do I see them winning the series? No. I still think Tampa's too good. Sorry. So Tampa and five, you think? Yeah, Tampa and five. Three games to two. All right. Go ahead, Charlie. Uh, I wasn't sure if you saw the message that I posted or not, but, yeah, I just saw Chris Taylor walk it off, two-run shot to deep left. What I really liked was as soon as he crossed the plate, they ripped off his jersey. No microphone, no <laughs> buzzer, no nothing. And that's kind of cool. I know I, they do things a little bit different in L.A. than in Houston. I know? steadfastly believe Altuve wasn't wearing a buzzer. They cheated all day long, uh-huh. but I'm just, yeah. I don't know. I, I hey. could go on a 10-minute rant about that. It's, it's all good. You, yeah. You're allowed to be wrong once, but <laughs> never again good. after that. Uh, I'll, I'll say this much. Um, I Jason, I think it's cute that you think we'll be up two to one. Uh, I, I think the Red Sox are going to lose this in four. Uh, the reason why I say that is, like I mentioned earlier, they have players that can show up in the postseason and not just show up. I mean, show up. It's not going to matter what you do with some of those guys in the lineup. They're starting to heat up. You have players that had less than a half, uh, less than half a, a regular season career. You have pitchers in your rotation. Tampa Bay, for example, they have guys in their rotation that they even play last year. They've had three career starts, and they scare me. They're intimidating. This team is the epitome of a complete team. If we win one, I'll be happy. If we win two but still lose, I would still consider that a win. But realistically, I think we lose in four. I, I admire the fact that uh, you think we're going to go to five. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with myself. And uh, Terry and I, we talked about the Evaldi thing. Like Terry mentioned, he felt like he was lying to himself. I, I don't think he really did. I think he, he, he really did feel like the Sox had a chance. Like it's Nate Evaldi. Nasty Nate is nasty. They had but, a chance, but I, I, I didn't feel great about it. But I, I felt, I felt pretty win. good. Yeah. I felt pretty good. I'm not picking the Red Sox to win this series. I'm going to be honest with myself. Uh, I didn't think they were going to be in the playoffs. The fact that they won the wild card game to me it was awesome. That was awesome and super special because I'm okay being wrong. It happened quite a bit this year. Not like last year, but this year I was wrong a lot. Um, we lose in four. My official prediction, and I came up with it this morning thought it over throughout the day and I kept going back to it. I I am supremely confident that the Red Sox will also lose this series in four games. 3 to 1 for Tampa is where I'm at. Now, I didn't have a good record predicting the 2018 postseason. I was wrong a lot. So take that for what it is, but it's just it's too tough of a team when we were facing the Yankees, we knew who they were. There was no mystery. We knew who we had to be careful of. We knew who we could get to. With Tampa, we're in a state of constantly getting to know them because their roster flips so quickly. Just last year, they were in the World Series with Snell and Morton. Those guys are long gone. And we've got these new guys, McClanahan and Baz to to worry about and I just think they're going to keep the Red Sox off balance throughout the series and I don't think we get it done 
interesting tidbit here. There might be some pride on the line between the front offices. Hein Bloom comes from Tampa, essentially built that team that we're about to face. And I don't think he wants to lose to them. I think he wants to beat them. But we'll see. The The Red Sox are going to have to, if they're going to win this series, they're going to have to show us something we haven't seen since May or June by going on a disgusting run, being clutch, and finding ways to win. And we haven't seen it in a while. They did have a couple of comebacks against the Nationals. And they took care of business from the outset against the Yankees. But I just can't... I I need to be honest with the audience. That's who we are. That's what makes us different from every other podcast. We're going to keep it real. And if we're wrong, and we're rooting for us to be wrong, we want to be podcasting ALCS games in the next round against either the Astros or the White Sox, then, you know, so be it. We hope we're wrong. But realistically, we got to keep it real. The three of us have them losing. However, I did get the official predictions of our co-hosts, Job and Andrew. Job has the Red Sox winning this series in five. He was at the wild card game. He must have been vibing. It must have been a great experience. We beat the Yankees. He was there for it. He thinks the Red Sox are going to win this one three to two. Andrew. Any ventures to guess on uh, what his prediction is? Oh, I have a feeling it's the same as mine. Red Sox lose in in five. Oh, I actually, for knowing Andrew and his uh, his takes, I'm sure he figured out a way to make the Red Sox win in two. I don't know how, but, you know, it, I don't think he thinks they're going to lose. He probably thinks we're winning in five. Andrew has the Red Sox winning the series three games to one. Wow. Red Sox winning in four? Winning in four. Winning in four. And his, he, his, he, his exact he hasn't words, watched the Red Sox. His exact words were the Red Sox were going to ride their momentum through the series and win it three to one. Yeah. So Momentum. Wait a minute. Momentum? That's not a stat. Wait a minute. A four, Is that an analytic? A four-game winning streak, I guess. Against oh, okay. Three of them were against a terrible team, and we, we only rallied because they were a terrible team. But – but that's that's interesting. That's yeah. that's Andrew's prediction. So we are kind of a split podcast. We're apparently the negative crew, and ironically, the crews have stayed intact. We're the midweek crew, and then the early week crew will actually be on tomorrow night. So we'll we'll do some mishmashing and get one of each eventually uh, before the series is out. But that's how we have it. Three of us think the Red Sox are going to lose. Two of us have them winning. We hope it's a good series. It's going to be a stressful series. Still lots of trust issues with certain aspects of the team, so especially the bullpen. So we will leave it at that. This was supposed to be a 30-minute show. Epic fail. We're at 52 right now. So we will wrap on that, but be back in 24 hours to recap what did happen in Game 1. Again, that's Eduardo Rodriguez versus Shane McClanahan everybody have a great day. Take care.